as an influence, and I have been um, studying Tibetan Buddhism and practicing Tibetan Buddhism since the late 80s, and it all just came together in this way um, of practicing and sharing yoga. That was Cindy Lee. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Yogi Misfit Sessions. I'm Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. Today I have session 131 with the one and only Cindy Lee. Uh, Now, I actually haven't ever met Cindy Lee in person, but I have practiced with her and studied with her a ton online. Um, A good friend of mine um, actually introduced me uh, to the Cindy Lee, and I just think she's an incredible and amazing human. Um, I've learned a lot. She's one of the main reasons why I teach uh, restorative. Um, Overall, we had a really, really, really great conversation. Uh, We talked a little bit about the journey of restorative-ish, and then we talked more about her Buddhist background and how she brings the teachings into yoga. Really, I think right now more than ever, having uh, the permission and the resources and tools to be embodied and to really tune in is super awesome. So she gives some insight on that. She's up to some really, really, really cool things. She's got a little mindfulness retreat starting um, in August. I'll leave that in the show notes uh, down below. And that was just really I was totally fangirling when I was talking to her because I think she's amazing and great. So uh, I hope you all enjoy this discussion as per usual. Don't forget to leave a comment, uh, a review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It helps. Um, And you can always head to our show support page um, on the website, dannypomploon.com slash support and help keep the show going. Without further ado, here goes session 131 with Cindy Lee. Cindy Lee, how are you? I'm so good. I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> so I am, I, I mean, I'm super excited to talk to you. Our mutual friend, Serena, knows my excitement. Uh, I feel like I know somewhat you. Um, I've never hung out with you in person, but man, I've taken a lot of your things online. Um, I teach restorative because of you. I tell the same jokes because of you. (laughs) 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 I, um, I just adore you. I think you're the best. And, um, you know, some, you definitely don't know this, but your, your, your training really has changed me as a teacher, um, online. I was not a big restorative person. I actually was super anti it for a really, really, really long time. I tried jumping on the train. It just didn't work. Um, and then I, I, uh, I found you and actually, well, I talked to Serena and Serena was like, I, I remember I sent her the message. I was like, tell me about this Cindy. And she's like, love her. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I went off her recommendation and totally just fell in love with you and then started following all of your stuff online. So I, I think you're the cat's meow. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you so much for telling me that. <laughs> that. That feels good because you know, when you put things online, you don't really know you know, if anybody is getting anything from it and just, unless they tell you. So I yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. We, we've, I think we forget how many people that we, we impact as, you know, teachers and we don't always, uh, not that we need the validation, right. But it's, it is nice to know sometimes, Oh, okay. I am doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Something landed. That's good. Yeah. Well, you've, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, students that practice with me that are 
probably extremely thankful for you as well. I, 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 te- I mean, I now teach restorative three days a week. And that, mm. to anyone hearing that, it's like Danny now teaches restorative is like, what? <laughs> why didn't you, like, you want to do restorative at first? Because uh, I'm type A and yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm the, vin- the vinyasa king. I, I need chaturanga, chaturanga, chaturanga because right. I don't need, because that's asking me to sit still. <laughs> you know what? That's really interesting to me because... Um, when I first opened my studio, Om Yoga Center in New York in like mm-hmm. 1998, mm-hmm. right after that, I'd say like two or three months into it, Judith Lasseter came and did a workshop mm-hmm. at my studio. Yeah. And um, and she taught restorative. She didn't teach a restorative training, but she taught a restorative class, among other offerings. And at the end of it, she said to me, you should really... Um, have restorative on your schedule all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would like to, but I don't think it will fly because it's, it's really an advanced practice in a way. Right. And, right. and over the years of, you know, dropping seeds, eventually we had a restorative class every single day, you know, right. after yeah. a few years, it takes a while to get there. Yeah. I didn't really, um, I didn't mean, I, I didn't get it. I, it's funny enough. I'm supposed to, well, I was supposed to be in Judith's training this week here in San Francisco. Yeah. It was actually last week. It was supposed to be in San Francisco, but mm. uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen. Right. Um, but I, I wasn't a fan of it because I didn't get it. And also it's, you know, it's, uh, again, I'll, I'll say I didn't really understand that it was allowing me to rest and be present and yeah. not sleep until I heard it from you. Yeah. Um, and then as I started practicing it, funny enough, I got stronger by practicing less vinyasa and practicing more restorative. Oh, I love that. Seriously. Oh. I get that. I, I make jokes about it all the time. People are like, wow, handstand and you can do these poses. And I'm like, yeah, the funny thing is I do less. I don't work out more. I've been eating crappier and getting less sleep. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about your diet then, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's but, really no- interesting because I think, I mean, Maybe what that means is that the ability to be, as you said, to be present and and um, and to be awake, but to be um, dropping in at the same time um, and into your uh, parasympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, and to downregulate it. It is a support for being more active, and it, it teaches us that. I mean, you know, we talk about Tadasana and Shavasana as the bookends of the practice, mm-hmm. but they're inside each other, right? you know, in different ways. And so right. when you do a handstand, which is just Tadasana upside down, but you take that kind of, um, you know, uh, non-aggressive kind of open approach to it, you can probably hang out up there longer too. Yeah. I think for me, it's the nuance of the awareness, right? With, yeah. you know, and I mean, it's every, it's the the telltale story of a yogi, right? You don't know until you know, Mm -hmm. but where I was thinking, you know, okay, if I do chaturanga, 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 I'm getting stronger. I'm working out. I feel tired, blah, 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 blah. Or I could just do, you know, one solid movement and pay really close attention and find all the little nuances of activation. And one of those equates a hundred of the other things. Yeah. So for, for, for me in the restorative practice, one, it sets me up to rest, but two, it sets me up to pay attention. So just mm-hmm. piggybacking off what you said, yes, when I am upside down, I go upside down less. But when I'm up there, I'm way more present. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is the evolution of a yogi, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. um, it, it, it's about, you know, getting more interested. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's, it's just a natural maturation process, you know. I mean, or we could even say spiritual maturity, you know, to uh, be more interested in not just what we do, but how we do what we do or why we do what we do. And I think if we don't get to that place, then we just get bored with yoga and, you know, have to do something else, play golf or something. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, I think it be again, like it just begins in the inquiry, right? When you start to get more interest, it's, it's literally the yoga philosophy, starting with your body yeah. and start to ask yourself the questions of how you pay attention and then how, you know, on the physical level, because that's something you can relate to. And then you go a little bit further and further and, and, you know. I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, but it is, I mean, it is a big um, evolution point because, uh, you know, if we don't have a practice like this that says whatever's happening is worth being with, mm-hmm. you know, and that we can find a stable place. You could have a handstand within, um, you know, a, a external chaos, Right. You know, that that we think it's worthy that our joy and our sadness, you know, and our pleasure and our pain are all worthy, equally worthy of of us um, having a direct experience of that's that's different than, you know, when you first start out and you're like, this hurts. So I don't like it or that, you know, is boring. So I don't like it. And we just ignore what we don't like. Mm-hmm. If that's a that's a real paradigm shift, you know, to mm-hmm. take interest in all of it. Right. Right. Cindy, I wanted to ask you um, a a little bit more about, you know, your evolution Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I want to hear about Om Yoga. I know you've got some really cool stuff in the works with Om Yoga. Um, Specifically, you're, you're doing a little more work with the Dharma of engaged yoga. So, so the two part to it, I want to hear about your evolution and then where, where this, um, the Dharma of engaged yoga is is going and, and a little more about it. Okay. Um, well, gosh, if I tell you about my evolution, it will take too long. <laughs> you know, this is my birthday today. And I. Oh, my gosh. Happy birthday. Thank you. I um, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm 67 today, which is. Happy like, birthday, Cindy. Thank you. Um, but, you know, that's like really wow, you know, getting up there. And so it's there's a long story. <laughs> right. But. but um. Well, I, I started yoga when I went to college when I was uh, 18 mm-hmm. and I, you know, I was a hippie and I went to college on the beach in Southern California um, <laughs> and you had to take a PE class. Mm. So I didn't want to do volleyball or anything because I was too kind of skinny and wimpy. And um, so I took yoga mm-hmm. and, you, you know, it was so incredible. Because the teacher, I wish I knew this teacher's name and I don't know his name, but he was a real yogi and he had us doing kriyas and fasting and we went on a retreat in Joshua Tree Desert and all these things that I don't think college yoga teachers can do anymore. Mm -hmm. But we were doing all of this and we, you know, we were going to Swami Satchidananda's um, self-realization fellowship down on the beach. And so it was a really incredible experience. And I just never stopped doing it Right from that age. Um, but it didn't take, you know, it wasn't, 
I didn't want to be a yoga teacher particularly. I was a dancer and I went to New York to be a dancer, but you know, you have to have a job. Um, mostly if you're a dancer doing something <laughs> and I was the worst waitress in the world. Um, so I started teaching yoga and, uh, and then when I decided not to dance anymore, I, I just started teaching yoga full time. And, uh, and then I realized that the kind of yoga that I wanted to teach was really deeply informed by my Buddhist practice. I mean, I don't think I realized that. I think it just happened. Um, you know, it wasn't like I thought, what could be a niche in the marketplace? I never thought of that. I never even knew any way to think of that. Um, but I had my dancing as an influence, and I had been um, studying Tibetan Buddhism and practicing Tibetan Buddhism since the late 80s. And it all just came together in this way um, of practicing and sharing yoga. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to call it. I knew what it wasn't for a while. And then I knew what it was. Um, and it was, uh, you know, like a braid of vinyasa, which I, I really take to heart the definition of vinyasa as to place in a special way. Yeah, um, sure. It's an expression of um, cause and effect. You know, one thing uh leads to the next and how does that happen and um interdependence and impermanence all these ideas to me are wrapped up in vinyasa mm -hmm. and then precise alignment mm -hmm. um and and mindfulness and compassion you know from the buddhist tradition and so i'm still i'm still doing that right yeah okay and then how did om how did om yoga i guess in your evolution and when you started to create, uh, I guess, how did, yeah, how did it come about? <laughs> well, it just came about like that. I mean, that I started a studio. I, I, I rented a space mm -hmm. on 14th street um, in 1998 and it was really gross and funky. Um, <laughs> and it had been an, uh, an after hours gate club before we moved in there. And, um, you know, so we, we just had to kind of repaint it and fix it up a little bit. But sure. I think a lot of the people that went to the club also came to the yoga studio. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was in the neighborhood. And um, and so then I just started teaching this way that was, you know, not too tight, not too loose. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you could think about, you know, extremes of yoga offerings, and some are very devotional, and the asana is quite soft. Mm -hmm. And then there's others where it's super hardcore, but, and I, I like, you know, really moving and sweating, but, but the positions were very tense and held. And, um, I felt like I wanted to do something that was more in the middle path between those, um, because I was doing that in my own practice at home. So I started offering that in the studio and, um, and it worked and the studio was there for, we were there for five years and then we moved over to Union Square and we were there for 10 years. And in 2012, um, I closed the studio and I moved away. But that's still who I am and what I offer. And it's, it's expanded because I've gotten older and I'm interested in more sustainable practices as well. Sure. Um, but it all can come into that same, those same building blocks of the vinyasa alignment and mindfulness and compassion. Mm -hmm. 
how how then did you i guess through the evolution of all of the, you know again we all go we all go through it how did the excuse me how did the um the evolution of the program that's coming you know mm -hmm. I, I, it's the, the the dharma program that we're that we're starting to step into how how and why how and why yeah. <laughs> um well you know because there's a there's a lot there. There's like a lot of meat and potatoes in that program. <laughs> there's a lot of meat and potatoes, um, or maybe you know tofu. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot of dal and vegetables. <laughs> well, you know, so I started working with my guru, my root guru Gelak Rinpoche, in the late '80s, and um, and I've just been a very um, passionate and you know. I mean, I could always be more dedicated, but a pretty dedicated Buddhist student and practitioner. Mm -hmm. And um, over the years, I also had opportunities to, I was invited to teach yoga for Zen um, deep retreats upstate at Dagosatsu Zendo. And I, I really fell in love with the Zen practice as well. And um, after I left New York, I, I didn't have a community, a yoga community anymore. I moved to central Virginia and there just wasn't, you know, anything here. Um, and so I decided to take a Zen Buddhist chaplaincy training. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> casually. Yeah, just casually. <laughs> I mean, I signed up for it. They accepted me and there I went. Um, <laughs> uh, what are you doing next week? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, I've been thinking about going to this place, Yupai Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, mm -hmm. for years. Okay. But, you know, whenever they had a retreat with Roshi Joan, who's the abbot there, Roshi Joan Halifax, I already had a booking. You know, I'm sure that's the story of your life as well. Yeah. And so um, on my birthday, when I turned 60, my um, husband, who was just my boyfriend then, um, he was freaking out. He didn't know what to give me because, you know, you got to give somebody something pretty special for their 60th birthday. Sure. And so he said, I'm going to send you on a retreat. I'll just pay for the whole thing. And I thought that was like the worst present in the world because, you know, I was already going retreats all the time. Right. But it spurred me to go on a, a deep retreat um, called Rohatsu and um, at Upaya. And when I was there, I knew I wanted to be there and I wanted to work with Roshi Joan. So I took this training and um, it was very deep and very powerful. And I became ordained as a, as a Zen Buddhist chaplain. Um, so this, you know, kind of took my yoga, which I wouldn't say it's ever been a conflict, but in a way for many years, I thought of working with the body as a vehicle for getting to know your mind, as a vehicle for getting to cultivate the relationship you want with yourself so that you can then live into that in the world. Um, and, and so I always wanted to do more Buddhism, but I was running a studio and teaching a million classes and doing that thing. Mm -hmm. So I went and took this training and it's, it's come into my teaching even more. So the kind of workshops I teach now are things like um, the, the Dharma of engaged yoga and um, mindfulness of the whole body and, um, you know, mindfulness and mindfulness and sustainability and these kind of ideas. So 
I decided to rewrite my whole 300 hour teacher training and, um, and call it the Dharma of engaged yoga because Dharma has really kind of like two meanings. Uh, in yoga, we talk about the Dharma as finding your Dharma, finding your path your that purpose. you were meant to live into. Right. And that's really what a 300 hour is about. You know, it's like graduate school. Yeah, it's the application of it. You learn, you learn the things. You, yeah, I always say it's uh, the freshman year of college is two hundred hour. You're gonna get way too much information. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna know what to do with it. Digest it, and then think about what you want to major in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, but also the Dharma means the teachings. And I, I have, I have felt for a while that in yoga, I mean, there's a lot of people doing service and seva and give back and you know great work. But I do feel like it doesn't completely integrate into what we're doing on our mat. Mm. Um, and how, you know, if we want to be inclusive to everyone, mm-hmm. we have to start with ourselves. Like if you don't like part of your body or you don't like part of your mind, it's pretty difficult to like everybody else. So, you know, starting with ourselves and really doing the inner work of, of being engaged um, mm-hmm. and using uh, the the seminal teachings of yoga and of Buddhism to to cultivate that uh, that view that view towards yourself so that you don't take your dukkha you know you don't take your undigested you know kleshas and your own drama and barf it all over your students basically <laughs> you know, that's not good. wait I've been doing it wrong this entire time. <laughs> You had one teacher who said you can't clean the floor with a dirty mop, you know. So, totally. So this, so this is really about, you know, it starts with the inner work and really looking at the tenets of engaged work. Engaged Buddhism, this, this is born from the practice of engaged Buddhism, which is about recognizing that everything in the world is interdependent. Mm. Um and so, you know, using our yoga practice, I think that's a really important um, concept and a view as a yoga teacher, you know, to, to realize when people come into your studio that we're all part of each other. Cindy, let me ask you, for, for, those, for those that are, are, may not understand the difference, you know, there's a very, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a line between, you know, so that yoga, specifically, we're talking here about the entire practice, everyone, and not just the asana, but the mm-hmm. actual entire practice of yoga. And then we have the Buddhism, you know, when you merge the two, um, what do you specifically think is, is, is the biggest different? Like the mindfulness practices that you bring in from Buddhism, um, how does that shift and vary from the practices in yoga? Um, you know, I haven't, I never learned in uh, yoga uh, how to do mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. I was taught to meditate by sitting still, close your eyes and don't move a muscle. Mm. And then later they say, okay, open your eyes. And that was it. You know, it's kind of like, I, I didn't get that. Mm. Um, and the other aspect um, is, for example, ahimsa. That's the bottom line of yoga, right? That is the first yama um, and niyama, you know, in that, in that body of, guidelines for ethical living, we could say, Um, ahimsa, which is non-harming of self and others. Mm -hmm. And, and that practice, which is so pith and so important is kind of um, 
a non-doing. You know, I'm not going to hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say, I'm going to help. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to care. I'm going to be joyful when other people have wonderful things happen to them. Um, it, you know, that, that, it doesn't make that leap. And, or else I didn't find that in yoga. But I found that in Buddhism. We start with, you know, I'm not going to hurt anybody, but I'm also actually going to go out of my way to help people. Or beings, you know, because we're all connected. How do we take all these practices, you know, whether they're a little bit of yoga, a little bit of the Buddhism, a little bit of even the restorative and and make it sustainable? Yeah. Uh, We practice. We just (laughs) practice. Um, I I think we have, you start with yourself and with a lot of curiosity, you know, um, because a lot of times when we start to learn to meditate or become a yoga teacher or really dig deep inside in, a, in any way, doing this kind of inner work, um, you know, because when you do inner work, you start to find your own biases. You find you get empathetic burnout. You, you know, um, you can get confused. And I think that we have to really be kind and um, not look for a result from our practice. You know, I, like I get really irritated, I will admit, when I see things like yoga for, a, I mean, meditation, a two-minute meditation to um, help you be a more inclusive person, a two-minute meditation for anxiety, a two-minute meditation to get over your divorce, you know, <laughs> that's it that's all i need oh no <laughs> where did you can, cindy can you send me that one please? I know. <laughs> i'll send you the link later yeah. perfect thank um, you i'm in <laughs> you know what i'm saying but it's it's instead of trying to get a result and and to use our practices as a band-aid or an aspirin mm. um to actually understand that these practices are just to help us be stable and open in um, you know, a very chaotic and mobile world. Um, and so that's, that requires being curious, getting to know yourself, being willing to do that and, and just being kind of friendly and have a sense of humor. Um, and, and remember that it's okay to have fun too. It's also, you know, it, it's, I'm pretty sure I've said this on the show before, but I think in a society where like just very similar to what you just said, 10 minute abs, you know, do these five exercises for low back relief and you're done. Like the quick fix of, I just want this done and over with versus wanting to put in the work because it feels like work. And also what I'm hearing from you a lot is can you shift the paradigm? Can you shift the script? Can you make it a place of, of inquiry, right? Of mm-hmm. wonder, of awe mm-hmm. versus I got to go do this thing and check this box and then be done with it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that what you're describing also is, um, you know, we're looking at everything we think is wrong with us mm. and we want to fix it mm-hmm. and we don't want to sit with it and be with it and, and recognize that it, everything changes all the time. Everything is impermanent and that we're human and we're going to feel all different kinds of feels. And mm-hmm. that's really interesting and rich. 
Um, and I think also the work of it, you know, it, it's not fun to meditate all the time. I mean, you know, let's say it right out loud, but sure. I think that what you were talking about with restorative, where you learned to relax um, and it's, but it had, it had a purpose and a meaning for you. Um, that's different, you know, than having a specific agenda and a goal and a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that I think, you know, like sometimes we talk about aspiration or intention or motivation and that can be very helpful also in this paradigm shift. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, why do I want to do this? Is it just to fix my back? Okay. Is, is there something else I'm feeling? What is that? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. At some point you would hope, uh, you know, at some point it becomes a place of refuge. Exactly. At some point it becomes, I mean, I am not a good person if I don't you know, practice. And I don't mean just get on my mat and do a chaturanga party. But if I don't, there's a whole thing that goes with it. If I don't wake up and, you know, drink lemon water and sit and then meditate and, you know, journal and maybe contemplate and then move maybe two or three poses, that's really what it looks like these days in the morning. Mm-hmm. I feel different. Well, you know, that yeah. whole, and I don't want to say it's like a codependency on it. It's actually, it's, it's, it's actually the opposite. If I don't do the thing, if I'm not embodied, right. And engaged in myself in that way. And those are the things that help me do that. I get engaged in the world. Yeah. And you know, it's okay to be engaged in the world too, but that's your ground right? for doing that so that you don't get, you don't dissolve. Uh, I I don't know. Cindy, maybe, you know, you've seen this probably, you've been teaching a lot longer than I have for sure, but maybe you've seen it is it just that we're not ready because of age, because of experience, because of like, I think about it now, like, what was I not, why was I not doing restorative this entire time? You know, why was I so resistant to it? Because now I, again, I am obsessed with it. I like can't get enough of it, you know, in addition to my other, you know, rigorous practice and whatnot, but it's why do so many younger practitioners, even the, it's it's almost as if we're afraid of these engaged practices. Well, you know, I think that there's a few reasons. And one is, you know, some, sometimes when you're younger, you just have extra energy. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have more energy than you even need to get through the day. And mm-hmm. so lying down doesn't feel like it's going to, you know, help you with that. Um, right. It's just too boring it's not engaging. And I think it is an age thing, but also it's also about finding the right teacher and the right approach to that method. And I'm so happy that that happened for you with me. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that's really it. And, um, you know, I think that these practices are, I really have faith in yoga. I really have faith in my Buddhist practices. Um, I have faith in them, which means that I have faith in the process. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to add a lot to them. I don't have to make them entertaining. I don't have to make them precious. Um, you know, and I think sometimes teachers that don't have that much confidence in the practice or they don't, they haven't done it long enough, or, you know, maybe that's just their teaching style, but they try to make it be too pretty and too precious. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's okay to just be us doing yoga. 
you know, mm. and um, so sometimes that comes into these slower practices, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, then you're not looking around a room, being like, "Oh, well, I got to try harder because they're doing it harder." So yeah, or <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to read poetry and I'm supposed to feel spiritual now. Yeah. Instead yeah. of you're just tired and you're or you're not and you're lying down and you're putting yourself in a shape and you're being with that. I, it's 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 quite funny and interesting. Out of all the classes that I teach, I mean, my, my vinyasa classes are always really strong. And that's what my, my, most of my community expects that from me, right? They, they want to go in, they want to learn something. We do something, we sit for a little bit, we do, you know, we do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my restorative classes right now, specifically given the state of, you know, everything have been overwhelmingly busy. Mm. You know? And it's, I, I, God knows how many times I've said it on the show in the last few months, but we don't have to make this sexy anymore. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> you know? that's really interesting because you were saying like our practice should be our refuge mm. and obviously you're creating a refuge, but it's so telling to me that it's restorative yoga that people are taking refuge in because really ultimately our refuge is ourself. Yeah. And that's when you meet yourself is in a practice like that. Yep. You know, and it's also, you're learning to be kind to yourself. You're learning self-caring. You're learning tend and befriend, you know, all these modalities. Um, That's awesome. That's really great that, that that's happening. Cindy Lee, you changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) Cindy, I cannot wait. One day it's going to happen. We're going to meet in person. I'm going to give you the biggest squeeze. I'm going (laughs) to learn in person it's going to be amazing i really i look forward to it Um, i also look forward to hopefully spending some time with you online um i know you've got a mindfulness retreat a digital retreat coming up can you tell us a little more about it yeah it's i'm just calling it a mindfulness meditation mini retreat and it's from august 7th through the 16th so it's 10 days but it's only one hour a day so from 12 noon to one o'clock Eastern time uh, for one hour. And I will give some uh, short talks every day and instruction and we'll sit together and there's a magic in sitting with other people and developing a Sangha. And as you have experienced online, you still develop those connections. It's amazing. Um, And so we'll start small and by the end of the 10 days we'll be sitting for most of the hour and i think people will really have um an experience that will support them you know to refresh their practice or to start a practice it's a great i I also think it's a great opportunity for people to to utilize you know what time that we have but also the mental space that you will get from this is unlike anything else. And like you said, Cindy, you're absolutely right. Sitting in Sangha is way more powerful than sitting by myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Even if it's, you know, through a screen, like when I'm sitting with my, with students that come to class, Yes. that is like, even those like, you know, a few minutes that I'm there with them, it's way more powerful than, you know, it's just, yeah, you're in, you're in community and there's, you can't really put a price tag on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we do. Um, yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Just so yeah. So I'm doing that and I'm excited about that. And um, and then I have decided to take my 300-hour teacher training online for obvious reasons. And yeah. um, and I've rewritten the, the syllabus a little bit 
uh, and I did that early this year, and then and then everything happened, and um, it seems really sort of timely. So it's called the Dharma of Engaged Yoga, and the practice of sustainable Om Yoga Vinyasa. So. Um, you know, sustainable yoga is going to be a little bit slower and very specific, and um, and it will be a way for us to take the inner work of engaged yoga into our own personal practice, and then learn how to um, you know share that with others as we teach. I love it. I think the more of this out there, the better. Um, I mean. Yeah, it's just, it's super important. And more than ever right now, it's super important to be able to have these practices to to have and even the experience to be able to learn more about it is, you know, it's it's a gift to yourself. It's going, again, it's going back into that self-inquiry. So yeah, yeah. And it feels like a gift to me, you know, that people want to do this because, you know, we're all isolated. Yeah. And um, I, I love teaching online uh, because probably like you, I have students all over the world and that we can all be together, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been a gift of COVID, you know, that in some ways there have been a lot of students that I would have never met in my entire life. Yeah. There are two classes specifically that I teach every week now, um, through a studio and I've never met 85% of those people in person. And I know those people now, yeah. I know those people, we sit together, we practice together. It's, I, I don't know what I would do without this, you know, my little online community. So yeah. I'm glad that you are bringing uh, more people into community right now because that's a sustain. That's also a sustainable practice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, and, you know, we can just keep doing, we can just keep doing it. Whatever the world, you know, hands us. Cindy, I adore you. I am so glad that I get to speak to you today. I've had the biggest smile on my face this entire time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I meant what I said. I cannot wait to meet you in person and give you a big squeeze and a big thank you and get to learn and study even more. You're great. I love you. Yeah. Well, I really look forward to that day too. And it's great to e-meet you. Yes. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we could, we could talk for hours. So this is great. Agreed. Well, until the next episode, this is Cindy and Danny saying bye-bye. Bye-bye.